0: The How Could You podcast. I'm Lauren Tossi.
1: And I'm Ryan Tossi. And we're here to remind you there are good ships and wood ships and ships that sail the sea, but the best ships are friendships and may they
0: always be. Is that a quote from Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar? Yeah, I figured, you know, let's start this out really strong. <laughs> I feel like you're saying that ironically. And I actually like Barb and Star <laughs> Go to Vista Del Mar. We
1: all know. We all know.
0: It's classic.
1: Currently like, going up from here. I <laughs>
0: well, welcome, everyone. If this is your first time visiting our episode, uh, we are two people who fell in love at a movie theater and never quite left. And today Help, we're. Let it get us <laughs> out. <laughs> and oh, God. Today we are. Going to Chronicle 2021, the year that was in film.
1: I'm excited for this show. Like, I mean, this is a, a good, exciting kind of way to wrap up season three. Uh, talk about what a really interesting year.
0: So now when you say interesting, so we're talking about like the f- the year in film as a whole, do you mean that positively or negatively or kind of chaotic neutral? Like, where do you kind of fall with how you feel about this year in it's film? A weird, it's
1: weird. I don't know because I... Here's, I don't, we're going to talk a lot about our favorites today and everything. And there were movies that I just absolutely love. I know you did. But I feel kind of like, you know, it doesn't seem to have that spark 100% that I wish it did. Because when I look at the year, it should. I mean, we have films from our childhood that are like, you know, being rebooted. And that were, you know, we have Uh, Wes Anderson, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, um, we had Spielberg, I mean we have Del Toro, I mean we have great directors from this past year, so it should be a year that was just maybe one of the best, it should be rivaling 1999.
0: Okay, that's big talk now. But you know what? Here's the thing. I actually don't know if it's that or so much as like globally, I think the place we all find ourselves in at like, there's a carefree way in which we would have approached this type of year and film previously. But think about what we were mired in the first quarter of the year. I mean, the theater experience still felt very tenuous, still feels very tenuous even at this point. Um, So you have like this return to the cinema that kind of happens or the return of the films that had been delayed finally coming out. And I think there's a weird amount of anticipation that these films were burdened with because they were something we were denied rightfully so out of safety during the pandemic and then come out during when we're still in a pandemic. So I think it makes it really complicated to view anything with the level of excitement of these films coming out in a year in the before times.
1: I think you're 100% right. And I'm glad you said that because I'm sounding a little more harsh than I mean to. Um, I I do. I think that we're viewing, uh, you know, not everybody. I'm talking just from you and my standpoint or even just myself. I'm viewing films, I think, with Vaseline over the lens, right? Like there is just a little bit. I'm coming at it. I mean, we're all different people and, and you were coming at it from a different standpoint. And like you said, there's an anticipation that's been building up now for years for some of these films. Ghostbusters alone, it feels like we've been watching the trailer for three years for that movie. Um, and then there's, I mean, we'll talk about Top Gun later on for next year, which that if feels it comes easy. out, right? So, I, yeah, you're I think you're you're spot on with that, um, that I think there's viewing the films we're we're viewing them differently and 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 the way that we're you know watching them is different so everything is we're we're adapting to that
0: well and i think there is too like you said the way we're watching them is differently like you know there's an a way in which our experience has changed like i think there is almost this well, my films should be at home. Like, even if I have to pay for whatever it is, like the prime cinema or the the golden tier or whatever it's called for, like, Disney+, Plus. like, I think we all got kind of conditioned to it's you know, safer to watch at home, to consume at home. And then now to kind of go back into that experience, I mean, I think event cinema is really what it's becoming in a lot of ways. And listen, I mean, Spider-Man No Way Home was a really wonderful example of people really returning to the cinema, which is great. Um, you know, and for theaters to have that, you know, are like kind of the big epic films that came out this year, like West Side Story, as well with that. But I think there's a way in which we interact with media differently now. And I think just kind of the changing nature of it, it was starting in the before times. But I think, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, I think the pandemic, you know, exacerbated issues and changing tides in media that were already occurring. So I think it's Hard in some ways with how everything's been so stratified to really kind of hone in on what are those big movies, because I think there are a few that I think will come up naturally today that we're going to talk about that were kind of the big films of the year. But depending on how you're experiencing cinema right now, if you've not returned to the theater, you might not have had access to those films yet that were the cornerstones of the 2021 year in film. And we certainly fell into that trap as well with missing films that I know we would have wanted to see during 2021 that we're hoping to make right on very soon. So are there films that you wish we had seen that we definitely missed? This yeah, year?
1: I'm with you. And it will be curious to see, cause I have a, a large enough list of movies that I wish we had seen. I'm sure you were the same way. And it's interesting because you talk about the access, and I think that that is a, a huge thing. I mean, we're big cinema fans. Everybody knows that that listens to this. So we should be the the first people going out, and, and different reasons we didn't get to see all the movies we wanted to in the theater, most notably Nightmare Alley. Um, we haven't seen yet. Gilmore Del Toro, I mean, it was on our, you know, list of
0: Thought that was going to be a secret just for us.
1: <laughs> it should have been. Yeah, have I feel been. shame. I mean, and that's a big. I mean, that's a huge one. I mean, that was one of our top films to see this year uh, that we could not wait for, and we just haven't had a chance. The other aspect of it, I think, that happens is, and I think this happens for a lot of people, is with all the streaming services on top of the cinemas. There's so much content, right? Like, I mean, there is just so many films out there that. No matter how much you're, you know, trying to consume, it's hard to, to, to take it all in. Uh, you do your best, but it's not plausible. So then you get a lot of great movies that we just haven't seen yet, right? The harder they fall. it just Elba,
0: Yeah, huge, yeah.
1: you know, um, that's one I really want to see. Dune was on both of our lists last year. We missed it off of HBO and the theaters, and we haven't rented it on streaming yet. Um, Lamb. Lamb. Um, A24 looks fantastic. Not going to be probably for everybody, but...
0: Yeah, A24 film about a lamb boy from a couple that are having fertility issues. You (laughs) and I should have seen that movie. (laughs) Or maybe
1: that's the reason we haven't seen it. It might be. Is that too much information, audience? Probably. Probably. (laughs) um saint maud um looks fantastic haven't seen that uh coda
0: oh that's my that's at the top of my list i don't know how we haven't seen it yet yeah
1: i agree i i'd like to think that that will be one that during oscar time because that will you know we'll do a lot of trying to catch up with films that we haven't seen another two that macbeth i know it's got to be on your list the tragedy of Macbeth. I apologize. I it's tragic you. we haven't seen <laughs> yeah. it yet.
0: And uh, Cyrano,
1: I think looks really, really good. Um, that
0: hasn't come around to any of our theaters yet. Um,
1: right? I think it's just hitting now. Okay. So and um, so those are those are ones on my list that I know. Um, I think the White Tiger was also on my list, but the White Tiger. Uh, was during the Oscar race last year. We haven't sat down and watched that yet either. So I'd really—that's another one that I would put on my short list of movies that we need to catch up from from twenty twenty one.
0: And I would say my list is not dissimilar. I have a few additions. Um, one is the Sparks Brothers documentary. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I don't know how. Like it, it's, it's the runtime. I, I know say, that's 100%. a lengthy documentary. Um, this this one really bothers me because I thought the original trailer for it looked fantastic, and it's been so well reviewed. And people that I've talked to that you know respect their opinions on film have raved about it, Summer of Soul. Oh, yeah. Having not seen Summer of Soul yet kind of hurts a little. Uh, having this conversation without that film kind of in the repertoire, I, I wish we had seen it. Um, and I know this is one that you and I kind of like waxed and weaned on. I still want to see Zola, if for nothing else. I think it's a really interesting experiment. I did read the Twitter feed, <laughs> or Twitter thread. Um, it's Bananas. Um, and I know it's a film... If nothing else, and I don't know how successful it is, it seemed really interesting. Um, I think my my reticence of seeing it like right when it came out was I was like, okay, so it's Spring Break, like that's and that was or sorry, Spring Breakers, Spring Breakers. Like, so, <laughs> so I was just like, I'm not, I'm not here for it. And then
1: you wanted to do the voice from Spring Breakers, didn't you? I really you? think that's why I said Spring Break <laughs> yeah, and not did. Spring
0: Breakers. Um, But yeah, so those are the ones that to me were most egregious. Our list was pretty much the same. Um, You know, Lamb was at the top of my list and then right after that, Summer of Soul. So hopefully these are films that we take care of soon. For all the ones we missed, though, we did see a lot of movies this year. And I feel like we want to spend the bulk of our time talking about the things that we love. So let's get this out of the way. Let's talk about our least favorite films. Um, I think we each picked out three Right? No honorable mentions. Aw, but you know I
1: love a good honorable mention, or 12.
0: No! <laughs> Follow the assignment. So we each picked three. We're just going to go back and forth. We think there's going to be some overlap. We did not discuss our list in advance with each other, and we're not going in any particular order for no, this. Uh,
1: no, I'm trying not to, for sure.
0: So what is your first least favorite film? <laughs> oh, that awkward wording, but still.
1: <laughs> um, well, I, I did keep one off the list that was very close, because I have a feeling during Oscar time i'm going to talk about this one. A bunch. Oh, i know what
0: movie that is
1: <laughs> um but for right now i'm gonna go godzilla versus kong oh that's fair um i keep getting disappointed with these movies like i keep getting excited uh, the first godzilla i was pumped and then i just a little disappointed I saw the second one we were in ireland i thought i was like so excited we had had this long trip i was gonna sit down and watch it Again, so disappointed. Loved Kong Skull Island, so I was hopeful for this one. I was like, yeah, let's pair them up. And it just didn't deliver. I mean, it was just... I get it. It's a giant monster fighting a giant monster. Some reality has to be let go when you're watching those, but, I mean, there has to be some form of, like rules in your own universe, and to me they were just making it up as they went and it was frustrating and not real enjoyable and you lost me completely when you were able to, you know, take some train all the way across, you know Oh, the
0: Florida to Japan super train Yes, exactly,
1: which just shows the Millie Bobby Brown characters so unnecessary storyline in this movie, and all of that not even talking about the spaceships that were just invented to be able to go through the Earth's crust and get in the Upside Down so, yeah, just uh, disappointed from from start to finish. But yeah, you know, I guess my positive to it is it it looked good. It looked much better than the other two Godzilla films. How about say you that?
0: You are saying that with such caution, it's <laughs> painful. I so this is actually my. F- First pick for my least is favorites it? as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I think kind of the same. Um, you know, going in with a lot of excitement, I like a big spectacle. I think the problem is, as you said, like, it's a universe that doesn't want to define its rules and feels like... And the next thing I'm going to say should be joyful, and it's not. It feels like two kids just playing with action figures. Go, like, the next thing go on the super train. Like, <laughs> it's just not... I'm not having fun with it because I think it's a film that's gotten wrapped itself tightly around wanting to have a mythos so it can have a larger universe but then never defined the roles of its universe. So it's really hard for fans to be invested in said universe, like an explanation of how the technology has advanced or an understanding of the lack of security in this technologically advanced <laughs> facility. It needed something else, and it should just be fun because that scene on the aircraft carrier when they have Kong and then Godzilla comes out of the water, that fight scene is awesome. It was re- The visual effects for this were really interesting, and I enjoyed myself. The film needed to be a lot more of that and a lot less super dream.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm completely with you. So what you're trying to say is Warner Brothers forced a cinematic universe and had no patience and just rushed it along.
0: I feel like I know what one of your other picks is <laughs> going to be from that comment. Because I feel like that's
1: a fresh wound. I mean, that's a little at the DC universe. Ah, but yeah. but speaking of Warner Brothers, can I give you my number two?
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: Uh, mine would be Space Jam.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, that's where I thought this was it's going. going?
1: <laughs> I mean, I know it's a kid's movie... And, like, I'm not sitting there saying that the original Space Jam was a masterpiece, but it does look like Citizen Kane compared to this film. Like, Space Jam, sorry, new legacy. Um, I don't like talking about people's acting, but LeBron James was just awful. Um, He, you know... It shows why Michael Jordan is the goat over him.
0: Um. <laughs> to, to be fair, they tried to give him, like, a story. Yeah. like
1: a, Oh, like a, uh, yes, it, it was ridiculous. Like I an mean, emotional <laughs>
0: chord They're so just being like, no, it's cool that you're famous. Have
1: the, yeah, just be LeBron and be fun and be referential, but don't pop culture vomit what this film did. Um, This and uh, Ready Player One can rival each other of just, let's throw as many references that make no sense at you, but you love these things, so yay! I mean, you get to that last 10 to 15 minutes of this movie, of the basketball game, and it's... One of the worst part uh, things I saw on film this year. Um, and most of that is because you had to throw in all these things. You have the drugs from A Clockwork Orange. Listen, I love A Clockwork Orange. Drugs don't need to be in a kid's movie. You have the Nun from The Devils, which is an X-rated film. Why is that in this movie? Like, I I, I don't have kids. Like, I'm not worried about the sensibilities, but there's well, just got to be. I don't think be.
0: you're trying to moralize anything. I think what you're saying, though, is, is like... When references are in or cheeky because they feel like, ah, oh, the parents will maybe get this, that's great. But how many parents actually caught that reference? Yeah, fair. The droves they would have caught, <laughs> right. but the not... Like, come on, yeah. that's not something... That's something that you put in to to kind of, I think, clickbaity in that yeah, way. Like, although there'll fair. be a video made about it in, in that <laughs> way. I Listen, that didn't make my list, but I get why it makes yours. And I think LeBron James is a really interesting personality. We've seen him in other things where he has to act, but they just make him him, like and they just, they lean into his humor and this they tried to lean into a a more serious acting portrayal, which felt like really incongruous to the silliness of, I don't know, Don Cheadle being part of the Matrix. I don't know. It was very confusing to me. Um, Apparently we just hated everything Warner Brothers put out this year because um, my next on my list is uh, The Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It. Um, Fair. (laughs) Apparently we've got an extra grind with Warner Brothers. Um, I I was really disappointed in this. Um, You know, we got into the conjuring universe late. And by that, I mean, we've only watched those films within the past like year yeah. and a half. Um, and I loved all the other tales with the Warner family. Like I th- find them interesting and terrifying. Um, we have the nun floating around. Yes. Somewhere. Oh, she's around. <laughs> um, you know, and I like the Annabelle films. Um, but unfortunately this, I think the problem is, is like, that is a news story that from a pop culture standpoint or a historical standpoint, most people know. So, they went really tepid with it, and then when they went big, it was so grandiose and so out of proportion to what I think even the warners have documented happened that it felt like I can't even buy into this. I can't even get scared from this because I so can't buy into it, versus the other more intimate, personal, family haunted house stories that they had focused on in previous films. And I understand the notion of like, well, they had some footing in it, but it's so out of bounds, so... That's um, next on my list. Yeah,
1: I don't. I with you. I was disappointing as well. Um, too big, and like you said, when you have a story that is so easily you can look up and and know how different it is. It's it's yeah. It just didn't
0: land at all. So I have a feeling our last one is the same. Well, now knowing
1: what we've said, yeah, there's no way that it doesn't. End so up.
0: stepbrothers and say it at the same time. Sure, one. why not? What was your least favorite film of the year? Dear Evan, Evan Hansen. Hansen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, let me let me
1: just say this. It, it was the film. It's probably not the worst film by any means, but it's the film I was most disappointed in. Like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Oh,
0: that's so much worse.
1: <laughs> um, the source material just means a lot. Um, we we absolutely loved it. We were lucky enough to see this on Broadway with. Ben Platt and just fell in love with this, this musical and listen to the music all the time. Um, i got a great friend uh, who listens to this show, and her and I have, for years, we, you know, when we're both down or having a bad day, we'll we'll send each other, you know, kind of a Dear Evan Hansen quote, you know, we, we talk a great deal about it, it means a lot. So, I was excited for this film, and when we went to see it, it just didn't land, and about the second song in, I was realizing already there was a problem, and by probably about halfway to three quarters, I I wanted to walk out because I was so upset and disappointed.
0: I'll say this. Look, I think the movie needed a better director, and you and I have talked about this before. I think they needed to age up the characters and say, like, this was happening at at a college. I I think that would have solved a lot, and also a better director at the helm. Here's the thing. You walk out of this film wanting to recognize people's invisible struggles. If you walk out of this film wanting to be kinder, if you take these songs and they give you points of inspiration or points, uh, you know, to kind of help you deal with hard times, then the film was successful and, you know, to hell with anything we just said.
1: No, I think that's spot on. You're completely right. And that's something I've had to really think about with this movie because I've come at it hard on Instagram and, and talking about it. But at the end of the day, some people aren't weren't lucky enough to get to see this as a, as a musical on Broadway and this is their first introduction to it. And it's probably going to hit differently. They're not going to have certain expectations with it. And the music's going to hit. So from that standpoint, if this introduces people into this, this, this story in this world and you love it, please do love it. And, and keep, trying to find every version of it that you can look up, you know, clips from it on um, YouTube, you know, all these things. Because, you know, yeah, the, the movie didn't work for us and, and we found it to be our you know least favorite of the year. But we still want the, the source material to be out there and people to love it.
0: Speaking of things we love, yeah, there are movies we liked this year. Uh, there's a lot of movies we <laughs> liked. Alright, so to transition to talk about this. I so have a list of 55 movies. Five movies. We get to talk about five movies. Okay. Um, I'll need a moment. So, what we're going to do for this is the same back and forth that we just did. I think there's going to be overlap. I actually don't think there's going to be as much overlap. Mm, probably not. Um, which I'm, I'm interested to see. I also have five different versions of my list, just <laughs> so you're pre-aware. Um, so, let's talk about the the films that we really loved um do you want to start us off with a movie that you really attached to this I year I do. can
1: i say two things in front like? oh god
0: okay <laughs> go for it no i want to say something i
1: there, I want to explain my list a little bit in that there are some things that I love this year that I'm intentionally keeping off of this list, and some of those are because in a couple of months we're going to be talking probably about those movies a great deal um, at Oscar time, so I intentionally didn't even think about whether I wanted to put them in my top five or not. I really went with, you no; know, these were the five films that when they were over, I just loved. Cool. Um, My quick honorable mention is Midnight Mass. Oh, okay. (laughs) I know it's a TV show, but it feels like an eight hour film that is just amazing. So watch it on Netflix. I just had to sneak that in there.
0: We are the cosmos dreaming of itself. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) That show is perfection. And why you've been listening to so much Neil Diamond lately.
1: Had no idea I was a Neil Diamond fan until that show. Excuse me. Um, I think
0: actually when you turn 40, you have to legally (laughs) become a Neil Diamond fan. (laughs)
1: Um, Okay. What's
0: your actual first one?
1: (laughs) Well, and we're not doing this in necessarily any order. Um, But I would go with um, licorice pizza.
0: No, okay.
1: Um, <laughs> licorice Pizza would definitely make my top five. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, Lana Haim, Heim, excuse Heim. me. I kept pronouncing it incorrectly. Um, no shock there that I mispronounced oh, stop it. Um, and uh, Cooper Hoffman? Yes. Okay, Cooper Hoffman. Both. First-time actors. Uh, so now Alana Heim is of the banheim, so she's obviously very much show, you know, very much an artist. Um, Cooper Hoffman is Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, um, a huge Paul Thomas Anderson fan. So that's going to obviously get me excited going into it. I think it's one of his easiest watches of his movies, um, and we're going to get to. The problem here in a second, but, um, the movie is, is funny. Um, it's, it's essentially vignettes put together, um, which I thought was really interesting that I didn't expect. Um, and it's not in the, you know truest sense of that but when you when you break the film down and how it plays out it's, it's done over certain you know stories that take place over the relationship between these two characters yeah
0: and i would say that's a, you made a comment to me at the end of it and you were like it's kind of like dazed and confused. It's kind of like American Graffiti and I, I think that's a really good description for it. And then we watched an interview with Paul Thomas Anderson where he talked about those as major influences on this film. So, like Do it, you
1: know uh, what other movie he said that was a big influence of it?
0: I have a feeling I know. Fast, Fast Times, Times at Ridgemont hot.
1: High Fast Times at Ridgemont High you could see the DNA in this
0: I'm I'm still convinced when they meet at the ball field that that's the same location right, from yeah. Fast Times. I'm convinced because so, they're both filmed in the San Fernando Valley
1: <laughs> Yeah. Anybody that listens to the first show of this season um, knows that if you combine those movies into a film, I'm going to love it. So, listen, it's it's funny. It's well acted. I mean, what Hoffman and Haim do in this movie are just brilliant. I can't wait to see what they do. Um, Cooper Hoffman's like his dad. Like, you're just... He's a showman, and that's what his character is in the movie, and that's what he is in real life, I believe. I mean, he...
0: He's so damn charming in the movie. So charming. He's capt—like truly a captivating actor. Alana
1: Heim. I, I, I want to hear her name come Oscar time, at least nominate it. Um, Then you have... That's not even talking about, you know, Tom Waits is in this film, Sean Penn.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> um, Sean Penn's seen as Bradley Cooper. <laughs> so fantastic. Oh, Bradley Cooper's so fantastic. Yeah,
1: so, I mean, it's... Okay, so it's basically these two people that meet up and they, you know, basically have a bond and it's them trying to figure out what their relationship is. Um, That's really the long and short of what the story is there's a problem with the movie. Yeah. Um,
0: So the discrepancy of the ages is something that I think, so here's the thing with Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson is a director that takes social convention and goes, deal with it. I'm going to make you uncomfortable. The problem is, is that like this film, and please understand, like I love licorice pizza and I think it's brilliant. And this is something I've been trying to reconcile of the fact that there is a disparate age gap between the two main characters. Um, I don't want to say whether or not that should affect your viewing. I think that's a very personal decision of how you enter this. Like, and I think, you know, I don't even want to say personal morality. I think it's like wherever your comfort level is. Like I had an assumption when I was watching the film that the main character that Alana Haim plays was lying about her age. In fact, I analyzed the film believing that she was lying about her age and it was going to be revealed later in the film. And this is not a spoiler because this has been well-documented yeah. the character is 25 years old. Like, there's nothing... There's nothing I'm spoiling for you about the film in that and, and way.
1: And Hoffman's character is 15. Is 15, yeah. And, and to be fair, that's actually said literally in the first couple of sentences of the entire movie. Yeah. I agree with you. You and I reviewing it as... Her character and and if you see it, you'll understand wasn't necessarily being forthright with her age. So I'm 100 with you, and I've had to think about that a lot since I've seen the film of of where it falls. And I was debating whether I wanted to put it on this list because of it. And it's a fair it's a fair thing for people to question the movie. I say watch it, come to your own you know decision yeah. on it. Um, there are. Um, Bunch of different ways to view it once you know that and, and what you believe, you know, where you can find a fault with it. But I do think that there is something really uh, special in the acting and in the storytelling. It's just there is a a major plot line to this that you have to, to understand.
0: Yeah, And I think it's a film that really, like, captures that moment in youth. Whenever that happens for you, and that can happen for you when you're 15 or 25, when you're, like, reckoning with your identity and like what you want to do. And I don't even mean from like a career standpoint, just like what you want to carve out for your life. And I think you have two characters that are figuring that out at very different ages. Mm. One at 15, that's pretty self-assured about where he sees his path and one at 25, who's, you know, a, a little um, unmoored in her life. And I think, I still think that there
1: might be some question on her age because if you read most of the things, it, it labels her as 20 something, even though she does say at some point 25. So I don't yeah. know if some people are still questioning on where her age is. And that,
0: fall. that aside, it is, I agree with you. I think it's Paul Thomas Anderson's most accessible film um, mm-hmm. that he's ever done. I'm going to include Boogie Nights in that conversation because I know a lot of people love Boogie Nights. Um, I think the subject matter has a lot to do with that, if I'm being honest. But like, I think that this. Is something that's really accessible and easy. If you liked Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's got a real love letter to LA kind of vibe. So if yeah, you if you like I'm... that, then this is a <laughs> this is a film to 100 check out. It did not make my list,
1: though. Understandable. Understandable. I was
0: really torn. Yeah. I was really torn. Um, and I and it, oh, it's got great music too. All right, anyways, but my first pick in my top five, uh, is a movie we only saw days ago. Um, and it, it snuck its way right in there. And that is the film Belfast. Got it. Understandable. Look, it's a movie about Ireland. <laughs> it, it, it was, it was, it was likely to be something I enjoyed. Um, Kenneth Brana's directing, I find really interesting. I, one of my favorite Marvel mo- movies is the first Thor. Cause I thought he did really interesting things with that. Um, I think often doesn't get enough credit for what he established with Thor. Um, now, he did not bring in his sense of humor as much as has been brought in with later films, particularly the Taika Waititi uh, films, but, um, or upcoming film, I should say. But Belfast is just a, it's delightful. Um, it's about a family in the 60s. It, this is autobi- or semi-autobiographical to Kenneth Branagh's um, upbringing, um, you know, that are battling with kind of, Unfortunately, a town that is in the midst of the Civil War uh, between the Protestants and the Catholics, um, and looking at, you know, how do you, where is home? Like, what marks home? Um, is your identity tied to the place and everyone knowing who you are? Is identity, forging your own path and, and leaving a place and, but taking that with you. It's such a beautiful film. There was a scene at the end of it. It's in the trailer. So I'm not, again, not spoiling anything between Jamie Dornan and the actress's name is escaping me. Um, it's a real, it's a real celebratory moment in the film and it just works so beautifully. And I just loved it. It's beautifully shot. Um, and it's just, it's like a hug it's it's a it's, a, it's a kind of a hug of a movie. I love. All right, it's a, yeah. And then I, it's an Irish hug.
1: Yeah, it's right. an Irish
0: hug. Does that help? That's that's
1: fair. That's very fair. Um, I. So you know I, how
0: like Irish hugs are kind of depressing yeah. and filled with death.
1: <laughs> Everybody, go out and see this movie. Uh, no, no, no. I'm, I get it. I get what you're saying. Um, it's. I'm totally with you. I it was a little different than what I expected um, because I think I was expecting uh, a cross between Jojo Rabbit and Millions, um, and it doesn't quite you know because essentially you're um, you're through it, seeing this through the eyes of the boy of the film and, yeah. wha- and who I believe is supposed to essentially be the surrogate Kenneth for Kenneth Branagh as yes, yeah. um, uh, character uh, Jude Hill who plays Buddy. Um, it's I'm with you. It's beautiful. Um, it, it would. If it if I I did it was one of the ones I left off my list bec- or I didn't even think about putting it on my list because I know it's going to be so heavily talked about at Oscar time.
0: Um, I'm I'm ready to continue. Talking I know you are, and this. I don't blame you. Um, I, I loved it. I,
1: what he does some visually with some scenes are just uh, oh my gosh. Incredible. Yeah, the
0: film's in black and white. Um, it's just, it's incredible. It's truly, like, Judy Dench's performance is insane. Um, you know, and one of the things I liked is, you know, he, not everyone on the cast, but he, a lot of the main casts are actually from Belfast. So there's just, like, an authenticity to that in that way. Um, it's really great. It's, it's, it's intimate, um, almost to the point of, um discomfort because of how intimately you're seeing this family. But I love it.
1: But by no means for even with the subject matter. And, and you know, we're kind of joking about the, the Irish like, aspect of things. Um, it's it's a I don't want to say pleasant, but it's it's not this doleful watch. No. Right. Um, it's it's really a, quite a beautiful film.
0: There's a great line that's said by the at the beginning of the Irish were made to leave. Mm-hmm. and that in that is a cornerstone of the film um, it's a great yeah. I talk about it for hours. <laughs> or, what's your next pick so I stop talking about that oh yeah <laughs>
1: um, my number, my next one I'm gonna put on here is um and I talked about it during Atassi's takes this year uh, is pig Nicolas Cage um just love this movie. I can't talk enough about it. Yeah. Um, this is this movie that I thought was gonna be John Wick, you know, 2.0 of, you know, and it wasn't it was something so different. Um, I am all here. We, we keep joking now on this show about the, the cage Um, <laughs> I, am here for whatever he does. I mean, I know next year he's got what, um, uh, what's that movie coming out? Um, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent.
0: Yeah, yes, um, yes. I'm so excited
1: <laughs> for that film. Uh, but but honestly I, I it's one of these movies I'm just preaching to people you gotta check out if you love film like if you just it, it's a dramatic movie um, it, it, it's not over the top there's nothing it is literally a drama and it's a drama about love but it's told in the most unique way possible it's about love and loss and, and Cage is just heartbreaking and, and amazing in this movie um i can't think of the general max um
0: oh alex wolf
1: oh yes yes i'm thinking max uh Mighella, not max miguela it's alex wolf who you know is great and hereditary and and really such a, a terrific actor uh he plays a, a side character who kind of um is with nicholas cage through most of this film it's just uh, like i said it you have to see it to understand and i've you know, I, I don't want to give too much away, and we're trying to be spoiler free in this um, on this episode today. Um, but I highly, highly recommend it. It's it's not what you're going to think. It's again a very understated film. Um, it's not over the top. Don't think of Nicolas Cage in his wacky you know ways. It is literally just a really terrific and well acted movie and really well written.
0: And I think the thing with it is exactly important to note here is that it's hard to talk about what makes it special without spoiling it. So if you're mm-hmm. like, wait a second, but what's it about? And you really just have to watch it. And I actually left it off of my five because I knew you were going to Thank it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and, and I want, I, I, because you really pushed for us to watch it and I didn't want to, not that I didn't want to, I just had trepidations going into it. I thought it was going to be like some of the other kind of like more absurdist films he's been doing. Um, but it just wasn't, it was really special. Um, so that takes me to my next pick. Um, now, this is a film I talked a lot about during Oscar season. Um, and because this year has felt like a weird time warp, I actually <laughs> forgot it came out this year. Um, and I would feel remiss if it had not been included in my top five, which is Judas and the Black Messiah. I love that movie. Um, I love that performance. I love that Oscars acceptance speech. Um, it's... Something that really stuck with me throughout um, the year, and then and then I kind of forgot about it for a little while, just because, again, time warp. Um, it's just such a great film. I think it's so well acted. I think it's an incredible story. Um, I love how it was directed. I said a lot about it on our Oscars episode, so if you want to go back and listen to that, we can always love the, the bonus views. Um Definitely check that out, but it's an incredible film. And something that if you've not gotten a chance to see yet, please, please watch. I think things oftentimes can get lost. Like, we talk about them kind of with fervor during award season. You hear those names getting dropped. And then because of the cycle of, like, a new year starts or the year keeps going and you all of these films come out. And some films like this, I think, can kind of, like, they get their attention and then it's, like, kind of like they wane. Please watch this movie if you've not gotten a chance to check it out. Um, I don't say it's an easy watch. Unlike Pig, where I think it's an understated film, this is certainly not, because it needs to not it be. It needs to not
1: be, yeah, I agree. So
0: it's something... That's really important. I, I Please watch this movie. That's all I can say. And I'm not really... There's nothing really to spoil here or not spoil. I mean, it's a historical story. Yeah, so, like, say, yeah. there's nothing I'm spoiling if we talk to you even more in depth. But I, because I have talked about it. So, if you've been listening, I have talked about this film at length. So, I'll just... Again, another plea. Watch Pig and then watch Judas and the Black Messiah. <laughs> It'll be a really weird double feature, but watch both.
1: Yeah, and you know it, when we do Tossie's Takes or we do Oscar you know, broadcast our shows we talk a lot in detail about different movies throughout the year that we love um, so when you get to a list like this, you feel like you, you've discussed them a lot and that kind of leads into my next pick, which I won't go into super detail because I know I already raved about it again as another Tossie's Take, which is Tick Tick Boom. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> we we had someone who, uh, who texted me on the side and mm-hmm said if you don't mention this in the 2021 year review that they'd be very mad.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I- you know, again, I already talked in great deal about it in an earlier episode, but this is Lin Manuel Miranda's uh, directorial debut. Uh, it just
0: sounds so weird. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning author, <laughs> right. like, Tony Award winner, and Oscar winner. Like,
1: um, and it's it's a, it's a done again taken from a musical adapted um, about Jonathan Larson and the musical that he wrote after he had written a very well reviewed uh, musical that never got picked up by anybody, um, and then he had to go on and do the next big thing, which he wrote this tick, tick, boom, uh, Jonathan Larson, who would most be well known, be most well known for rent. Um, and also
0: a Pulitzer Prize winning and author. Also,
1: yes, absolutely. And, uh, to me, the biggest takeaway from this is I think, Lin Manuel Miranda, we we talked about this with Dear Evan Hansen about the directing. Lin Manuel Miranda though brings us into this musical. It's one of the best musicals I've seen. um, That's you know that you feel like you're in the world, but you also get that stage aspect of it um, really quite well. And the biggest takeaway is Andrew Garfield. Um, I have been. A little bit, you know, I was not a fan of Hacksaw Ridge and um, some of his other work. What was the one we saw this year? Um,
0: oh, Under the Silver Under Lake. Under the
1: Silver Lake. Um, so I had started to wait a little bit on the Andrew Garfield. And you know what? He's come back in a big way and this year. And this is the biggest thing. I, I mean, his performance is just magnetic and, um, yeah. you know, you can't take your eyes off him. He is just brilliant.
0: No, that's great. And honestly, I feel the same. It, I, it didn't make my list. Uh, but, you know, this is kind of... I will say where this becomes hard is, like, when you start listing these out, like you said, you have a list of 20 films. I mean, like, same. And Tick, Tick, Boom's right in there. It's such an incredible film. It's one of the... Uh, best adaptations in terms of like its intimacy I think it knew one to like have there's a really big spectacle scene that I think works really well and then the rest of it's pretty intimate but you feel like inside of this artistic enclave and that's what makes it I think feel really special um and Andrew Garfield just he's so incredible in it like it feels like he was born to play this part and I never would if you had told me when we saw Hacksaw Ridge that this guy was going to play Jonathan Larson, I would have been like, why are they doing this to Jonathan Larson? Yeah. But now seeing it, man, thank goodness they did.
1: Agreed. Um, Just, you know, there were three terrific musicals this year. Just four, you know, that came out and three that are just... Brilliant in our eyes, and and this one is is at the top of the list for for myself.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. What is your next? So taking it in a different direction, yeah. uh, bigger, <laughs> blockbusterier. <laughs> Shang Chi and the Legend of the oh, Ten Rings. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. God, did right. I love this movie. I so all right. This is a Marvel household. Um, Mm -hmm. we consume all Marvel. Um, and and Uh, Marvel,
1: (laughs) you would talk about that's a little known. Um, I believe,
0: (laughs) Uh, um, you know, the TV shows, the films, everything, the shared universes. It's great. Um, so, and, and what's hard about this is I was making this list. I I was like, look, Marvel, Marvel could have dominated my number one and my number two. They really could have this year. Uh, I chose Shang-Chi for a variety of reasons. When we went to see Shang-Chi, I don't know a lot about that universe, and I was so happy to be invited into it. The acting was so incredible. Simu lu is just, make him the leader of the next phase, because he's got this. <laughs> um, I just felt like there was such an invigoration of like joy and passion in the film in terms of like the fight sequences felt revitalized. I didn't feel like I was watching something formulaic. I felt surprised by a lot of things. The character development was so fantastic. That opening scene, that kind of like, I would call it like a prologue to the film was so beautifully shot, really reminded me a lot of the artistic stylings. Um, you know, particularly if you've ever seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, there seems to be like kind of some nods to that visual styling in that opening, uh, prologue. Um, I just really appreciated um Aquafina's humor in this. I also appreciated giving a character like her where I think you really could have used her for the punchlines um to be the kind of Person who is like the fish out of water, like coming into this universe and being like, what? Magic is real. This is crazy. Um, But to give her something that makes her have agency in this world, I felt like was such a smart choice. And it made me want sequels. Like it is a Marvel film that I went, okay, next one, please. Like I need the continuation of this story. And I think obviously that world will be a very big player in this next phase, but I just loved it. It felt big and grand and oh gosh it had so much like it had heart like I found my my eyes watering at the finale of the film and I was like well this is weird I'm I've only been with this character for this movie but they just it was written so well directed so well acted so well loved it top to bottom
1: uh, I can't argue. Um, I was, su- I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Um, I know you just have been, you know, over the top. Uh, and I know much- you've mm-hmm.
0: been beleaguered with some, like you're like,
1: <laughs> we'll get there, but yeah, um, but <laughs> I was going to talk about that soon. Um, but yeah, I was surprised how much I enjoyed this movie. Um, only because I didn't know anything about it. Um, and kind of what you're alluding to, I was starting to get a little, not that I dislike the films, it's just a little fatigue of them. Um, and this one was a really nice surprise, and visually it was beautiful. I love the relationship between him and Aquafina, um, and how they the chemistry of them just as actors, uh, they worked really well together. Um, yeah, really, really enjoyed this one, so I'm not shocked that this is on your list because I think you just watched it again the other day, I right? did.
0: Yeah. <laughs> While I was making the list. Nice. <laughs> on my snow day. Right.
1: Well, I mean, if you're going to give a Marvel... Then why all am right, I moving I, to Marvel? I thought this my <laughs> career was going. Um, so the next one on my list, uh, well, not next, because, again, these are very much not in order, I promise you. Um, is this on your list, what I'm about to say? No, because okay. I
0: thought if I picked this, there was a possibility you were going to pick that. Okay,
1: all right, perfect. So <laughs> We're
0: literally the Spider-Man meme point. Yes, at each we point, are, yeah.
1: Um, and that goes <laughs> into, my pick is Spider-Man, No Way Home. Um... And I just want to say this, I, I'm going to go very spoilers-light in discussing this, because I don't think there's any way to not. But if you have not seen this film and want to go in 100%, like, I know nothing about this movie, please fast forward a little bit ahead. I would say but come back
0: about like two minutes. Yeah,
1: yeah, about two minutes. We'll go with that. So put me on the clock. On the clock. Um, and here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home just was Awesome. <laughs> I, I I was vaguely excited about it. Um, I, I was like, oh, okay. I did not expect it to come out and just... Uh, this movie moved me. Um, it, it had me excited. Um, it rejuvenated my love for Marvel. Um, this movie just... it. <laughs> It's the whole reason two movies don't make my top 5 list because it's a film that brings back um is referential to old Spider-Man movies and it brings Those back into this world... I just can't believe they were able to do what they did with this movie. Um, It was emotional. It was exciting. um, Visually, it was beautiful. You know I get bored with with fight sequences. And this was great. I think it just... I came out and I was so satisfied. It felt gratifying. Like, it was just like... This was so hard and complicated of a film to put together... And they nailed it. Um, they just gave you everybody a little bit. Sure, we could nitpick at it and pick a couple eh. of different things, but I don't care. This movie was awesome, and I did not expect it just absolutely come out going, wow. Um, and it's just, it's fun. It's fun, and it's, it's just everything a Marvel film has been in the past and should be.
0: Agreed. Yeah. I yeah, I, it's it's so, yeah, 100%, because we're getting down to the last 15 seconds before people should be popping <laughs> back in. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm
1: keeping a lot of the things off, I, I think. Like I said, I went slight. I'm not talking about things. If you know, you know. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's got surprises in it that are just, you know, I, you know, whether they're a surprise to you or not a surprise to you, it still hit, and that's the important and thing.
0: And I will say, I think this movie has rewatchability, because that's actually when I was watching Shang-Chi, it was like... I remember being so delighted by it and so thinking, okay, this is the next phase. And then I rewatched it and went, oh no, this is the next phase. And this is such an incredible movie. And I feel like Spider Man No Way From Home or No Way Home will 100% be that too. I think we will rewatch it and you will feel the same things.
1: Yeah. I I don't think
0: that's going away. I just think it was written so well and acted so well and performed and directed so well. And again, like these, this may sound repetitive, but it's like when things are your favorite films of the year, it's because they did all of those things correctly. Yeah,
1: and this isn't just coming from a... Mar- if anybody knows me, normally Marvel films do not make my top five, top ten movies of the year. I love them, but they don't make... Because they, they don't have rewatchability to me. And like you said, I cannot wait to rewatch this movie.
0: Which is crazy, because I'm like, oh God, I love rewatching Marvel films. <laughs> but I will say, I do fast forward past a lot of action sequences. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, nah. all right, I get it, you're beating up on each other. Um, so, I... I'm 100% with you, and I was, like, very torn. I don't know why. I was like, I don't know if I want two Marvel films on my top f- five, but, like, and Shang-Chi won out for me. Spider-Man, No Way Home won out for you. Going into my next pick, I, I, I don't know if I would have called this at the beginning of the year. In fact, in June, I would have never called it necessarily this, because I figured I was going to feel very firmly about one, uh, one film over another, and this was not going to make my top five. Oh, West Side Story. Wow. You tricky fish, you. (laughs) Wow. I mean, like, it sounds like so stupid to say when I think about it. Like, it's a Spielberg film. Come on. Like, but I, when, when the slot of films was announced, all right, so back when this was like announced for 2020 and it was supposed to be in the Heights and West Side Story were coming out in the same month. And I thought to myself, like, man, like, they're going to be naturally compared. They're both set in New York. They're both musicals. They're both going to be big spectacles. They're going to get compared. Um, and the thing was is I felt like, well, no, like, I, I'm so much more here for In the Heights because here is the thing, and this is going to be blasphemous to my, my people listening who love theater. I do not like the West Side Story movie adaptation that came out in the 60s. How could you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with it. Um for a variety of reasons I never felt I I the, the love story to me just I never bought the two of them together I don't know why I just like didn't And listen that movie's not without its problems um uh, and certainly there there are people who were involved in the original musical who even say now Rita Moreno flawless in that movie that she is the best part of that movie Um this film adaptation literally took my breath away I was watery eyed from about minute two <laughs> to the end. I had chills when Ansel Elgort sings Maria. I thought I was gonna like fall out of my chair. Like, like, like I'm talking like old school swooning. Like it was so yeah, you turned to
1: me and just behind your mask. I see your eyes getting like huge, like ex- with excitement.
0: I think, and I think I aggressively looked at you like, you love this, right? <laughs> like, not that I said that, but I gave you the eyeballs of that. Um, there it, the the characters of Bernardo um, and Anita are so captivating and I just love them so much. And I want to live within their story like again and again. I immediately thought I was like, I can't wait till this goes to HBO Max or wherever it ends up because I just want to rewatch it again. It was so and I I had heard a lot of people say it's actually better than the original musical or the original film adaptation. And I thought that's like a high bar but i didn't think it was gonna actually be that high of a bar for me because i never really attached on to the original so i was like okay i might be more open to this but this is going to be the most trite thing geez that spielberg kid can direct <laughs> um it feels ridiculous to say and i trust in him implicitly but he seemed again like uniquely qualified to make this he made a, a, a movie musical that every movie musical should aspire to be it was incredible and hopefully, we get to talk about it a lot more during Oscar's time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, the thing you're talking about with Spielberg is the thing that I cannot even remotely deny with you. I, when we left it, you asked me what I thought, and that was the first thing I said. Uh, you know, again, it's Spielberg, one of the greatest of all time, but you can feel his passion in this movie. Um, and it is so so well directed. Dude,
0: watch interviews with him about this. It feels like a man on a mission. Yeah. Like this feels like a guy who was like this is my passion project. Yeah. And well, that was the thing is like he was in an interview and he said something is like, "Oh, so lucky to do this so late in my career." And I'm like, "Oh, no, none of that nonsense. You right. keep making <laughs> movies, sir."
1: Yeah, I mean, and it's He look like
0: a kid on set. I
1: recently had a conversation uh, with somebody at work and him and I were talking about Spielberg and just saying how like not saying anything negative about Spielberg, but we hadn't had that like film that wow Spielberg in a bit, and this one lands there a hundred um, percent. There are just things that he shot, and I'm I'm really enjoying watching all the behind the scenes stuff Haps. with Spielberg uh, on the making of this. I'm really, you know, you and I probably don't a hundred percent land on where you know it's why it's not in my top five. Um, there's some things that I probably felt a little differently than you did, but I can't argue with it. I mean, if this right now, if this would win Best Picture. I would be okay with that because it is Satisfied, yeah. a very, very um, really well done musical I it, in awe of how well directed and, and the performances in it.
0: Yeah, and here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with saying I can still be in awe of how well Spielberg moves a camera. Yeah, How but, well I mean, likes and please seen... don't take
1: that as a, a shot at it. I no. think it's still a great movie. I mean, I think it's just amazing, amazing. Yeah. I, I'm I'm a little surprised it made your top five, and I think it's just been rising for you the more you know since you've seen it. Um, because I I know the one that you know probably was close to making both of our lists, which was in the heights. Um, I'm shocked that it. it Overtook that for you, yeah. Um, West Side
0: Story, it just it, and and it, it's nested in there where I'm like, I want to yeah. listen to the soundtrack. Let's go see it again, okay? Like, you know. <laughs> right. yeah,
1: you know. And that's what I said we talked about you know, um, Tick Tick Boom and West Side Story and In the Heights and these three big musicals. And then you know, obviously, we you, we've already said what we feel about Dear Evan Hansen, but these three musicals, it just the musicals, not dead people. I mean, in a film version, it is alive and well, and and they're they're just really well done films. And you have three that. Right now, I think you and I would go, any one of them should be in the conversation for for best film of the year.
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah. So what's your next pick?
1: Oh. uh, This is
0: your last pick. This is my last
1: pick, yeah. (laughs) And I'm going to give a little lesser known film uh, that made my list, again, kind of late in the game. And my pick is going to be Camille Griffin's Silent Night
0: be really honest with you i did not see this coming for like a mile
1: i had a feeling this might be the shocker one for you if i had coffee
0: in my mouth right now i'd spit it out
1: um, i thought you were being
0: ironic like oh it's a little known film and then i thought you're gonna be like well bam uh
1: so silent right. night it starts Kieran knightley and matthew good um It is a I I mean, it's a straight up Christmas movie, but it's as alternative a Christmas movie as you're going to get. It's it's a dark film. Um, I'm just going to say that there's a lot of comedy in it, um, but it's very that dark comedy. Um, It takes place on Christmas um, and it's essentially kind of like. The invitation a little bit in that like everybody's getting together for a christmas dinner um it's all friends and you know something's going on um and I, I don't know if you read the synopsis you're gonna know what this film's about um but i'm not gonna give that to you at this time um it's yeah, def- no
0: do like i did and have no idea what you are yeah. agreeing to <laughs>
1: um it is it's it's essentially about, you know, friendship, relationships, and, you know, coming to kind of understand placement in the world a little bit and you know and and it's got it's a very small film, but it's also got kind of a, a big overarching um ideal <laughs> kind <like> of <a laughs> yeah. message to it.
0: Here's what I love about you talking about this film. Yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. But if you've never seen this, you have no idea what I'm right. saying. It's, it's, Just go watch it.
1: It's a quiet, it's a quiet film, no pun intended. <laughs> um and it's not necessarily getting a ton of great reviews, I'm not gonna lie. But oh, really? you know, yeah. But last year I had said when I watched the movie Scare Me that if there was a movie I could pick, that if I could write a film, that would have been it. And that's what this movie is to me. Yeah. Um it is I love how it's written, I love how it's acted, um, you know, I love a film that's that's comedic but very dark um, in tone and it's a very interesting film um, and it's at times not an easy watch but that's not to say that the subject matter isn't, it's, it's just in tone. It's, I'm not doing a great job of describing
0: it. No, here's the thing, you really are and <laughs> I respect this choice a lot because I don't think that this is a film that I would have seen on your top five but I completely get it. Because I think it's everything you kind of want in your horror now.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess that's, yeah, I mean, ultimately, you're right. It's a horror film, um, but it's, it's it, yeah, it, it, you're right. You're completely right, and I thank you for putting the words that I need it <laughs>
0: This is what I love about your top five. You pick two films that you 100% like you can't really talk about and explain why it's so great without someone having seen it. Mm-hmm. But I hope that this entices those of you who are listening to go see these films because I think these recommendations you're giving are perfect for this year. Mm-hmm. They're outside the box. <laughs> right. And we definitely won't be talking about either of them come Oscar season. No. But oh my gosh, go see these films.
1: Yeah, and, and unlike Pig, which I think Nicolas Cage should have been in the conversation. I agree. But, uh, and it's a short watch. It's an hour and 30 minutes. Um, and it doesn't need to be any longer. <laughs> um, but honestly, um, you know, please, yeah, go go watch it. It's not a family-friendly Christmas movie, but it's <laughs> certainly a movie to, to check out if you just want really good Acting and well written, and a little bit of a dark, you know, kind of f- f- tone of a film.
0: A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> the movie straight messed me up.
1: Yeah, I think to sum it up, the tagline for the movie, I believe, is "It's the perfect Christmas gathering, except one thing." <laughs> oh God! <laughs> so
0: once you see it, you'll love that tagline.
1: So I have to know what is what is the last one on your list. Do you know what it is? I, um, I think I might.
0: I think you have a guess, but it's not that. Oh,
1: okay. Then I I don't know. Okay. Do you have another, like, small indie film that no one's ever heard
0: of? No. I went big splashy. All right. Perfect. Good. My last pick is In the Heights. Okay.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry about that. No.
0: It was so funny when you said it of like, oh, I thought you would have picked In the Heights. And I'm like... (laughs) Cause I did. Um, <laughs> the whole point
1: I wasn't allowed to do honorable mentions. is so I didn't step on toes <laughs> and I still stepped on your toes. I apologize. No,
0: not at all. Because actually I really love being able to say this in a year and in a time where, you know, I listen, so much is made about like how successful is still the Hollywood musical and does it still work? And blah, dee, blah. Um, you know, to have three films where you say like, these are really successful and very different Hollywood musicals is a really fun year to get to have. Um, It's a year where I'm happy to say that I could have had three out of my five be musicals for my top five of the year. I chose not to go that route, but two of them did make it. Um, In the Heights, so let me set this up. Obviously, we are theater goers, Mm -hmm. lovers of the sitting in a a dark theater experience. This was the first film we went back to in the theater with a live audience. So it's going to have a special place because of that. I anticipated In the Heights from that first trailer so deeply. Um, I, I was very fortunate. I taught at a high school that had done a production of this uh, years ago. That was actually my first time seeing In the Heights. I'd never heard the music before. The first time I saw it was a high school putting on a production, and they knocked it out of yeah. the park. We have a local um, like arts award show called The Freddies. It won at The Freddies, which was entirely deserving of. It was so incredible. It was so well-directed by a woman by the name of Sarah Pastelak. Just did a genius job with this. So I felt attached to the story because I'd watched students perform in it, and then when the first trailer came out, I like you and I were like, "This is gonna be the greatest!" And then you know it got delayed like everything else, but it's so delivered. It was so worth the wait. It was so beautiful. It felt alive. It felt electric. It felt like. There's an excitement to being in New York City in the summer that is really hard to describe unless you're someone who likes being in the city in the summer. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a there's a spark to it. There's like this kinetic energy that just vibes through the streets, and John M. Chu captured that with perfection. And it's interesting, you know, you have Tick Tick Boom on your list. This you know this musical, if you don't know this, is written by Lynn Manuel Miranda. This is the the musical that uh, you know is the predecessor to. Um, Hamilton yeah. <laughs> um, you know man I mean he had to cut his teeth somehow um but this in its and she is he he starred in it he played uh, the the title or not the title uh, the main character of was Navi in the original production um, Anthony Ramos who in the original production of Hamilton um, played uh, Philip and Lawrence because uh, if you know act one and act two characters uh, or the actors overlap on characters um, it's just great it's beautiful. It's, it's spectacle. Um, it feels like it's capturing this street in this neighborhood with a lot of vibrancy and a lot of very youthful energy. It's cut some great nods to like classic, like Busby Berkeley, like Hollywood yeah. films. Um, but in a modernized way, not in a derivative way. Um, it just, it's, it's incredible. And like, so I love Crazy Rich Asians, uh, which is John Chu's film before this, um, because it just looks so beautiful you just wanted to be in that world and he he captures that in this but with also the deafness of being able to adapt a musical it's incredible um I, I can't recommend it enough um again like i you know if west side story or in the heights gets best picture i'm gonna be really happy i don't think in the heights is in that conversation as much unfortunately it really should be yeah um
1: it came out in June, which is never a good sign, nope. um, but it felt like it should be a summer movie, so I feel like that's okay. I, you know, I, Tick, Tick, Boom and In the Heights are the two that if I get to sit down and re-watch, I'm going to re-watch those. West Side Story, I think, is, is so well done, but it's not a movie that I think I'm going to be jumping out, jumping up to re-watch it. It's like a real bummer ending, <laughs> too. Right. I'll
0: say this. And I'm, I don't say this often. I really don't care about the Oscars in this conversation. I just want people to love In the Heights. Yeah, I'm with like, you. Whether or not Academy you know, energy comes its way, I just want people to love this film because it's so, so incredible. Anthony Ramos is spectacular in it. It's just everything. I love In the Heights.
1: So that's a terrific five that you really picked there. And I know you and I are going to kind of talk about a bunch of the Almost, you know, here in a moment. And Are you talking about a free-for-all? A free-for-all. Yes. But before we get to that, I, I do want to know, uh, with your top five, are you prepared to pick if you had to choose one as your favorite of the year? Do you have one? Yes. Would you like to share it with the audience?
0: Not at this time.
1: Okay. <laughs> when will you like to unveil that?
0: It's in the Heights. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. That doesn't surprise me of how much you liked it, and um, that's cool. I, I yeah. I Again, are you? I mean, you just painted a great picture of why. <laughs>
0: yeah, I almost like I should have downplayed it so it would leave you all thinking what was her favorite <laughs> film of the year. It was in the Heights, um, and it's hard because West Side Story has has creeped into my mind in a lot of ways. And there are other films, and we'll talk a little bit about the free-for-all that almost ended up in my top five. One in particular that was not in my top five, but I think at one point was my favorite film of the year. So it's a really interesting, it goes through a lot of development. And I also, like I said, I had five different versions of this list. So before we get into the free-for-all, what was your favorite film of the year?
1: It was very hard. It was it was a three-horse race, or, you know, maybe a three-pig race. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> pig, I really wanted to pick pig. Um... And, God, I think I'm going to watch Tick, Tick, Boom over and over and over again. But at the end of the day, I'm surprised. I can't believe I'm going to say it, but (gasps) Spider-Man. Dude!
0: Uh, <laughs> I love that for you. Yeah.
1: Uh it just it just delivered to me, um, and it it delivered in every way I could have, you know, won it. Um, and and it's hard. I mean, I, I really it's it's one A, one B, one C with these three films for very very different reasons. But but at the end of the day, I. I just, when I sat in that theater watching Spider-Man, it was everything the movie theater experience should be, but it also felt like the type of film that I'm going to be excited to watch on a small screen as well, and, and that's really quite saying something. And, you know, props to it that I think it's, the, what it's doing at the box office right now is, is remarkable and, and really, you know, I'm excited that, that there is a film out there that's being able to, you know, really rise above everything else that's going on to, to keep performing.
0: Well, and honestly, it's the first time I've heard people, in a long time, people having conversations of, oh, I went to go see it multiple times. Yeah. Like, yeah. I haven't heard that Great. in a while. I mean, you oh.
1: and I were in almost a sold-out theater when we yeah. saw it, so, and, and, and I know that's not... That's not been the exception. I mean, that's been it's still going very strong. So, uh, yeah, those are those are our top. So, In the Heights and Spider Man. Yeah,
0: <laughs> big movies. Yeah,
1: very big. Uh, can very we have
0: can we have a free for all?
1: I'd love to have a free for all. All
0: right, last night in Soho. All
1: right, here's where I'm really torn. Um, okay, so right now what we're talking about is all these movies that you know. We loved, but yeah. just, we had to narrow it down to five, but they need to be talked about, yeah. right? Yeah, um,
0: Last Night in Soho, I think there's an argument to be made in one version of this list where it's actually my favorite film of the year. <sighs> I loved Last Night in Soho. If you know anything about me and my aesthetic, it should not be very shocking that that was one of my favorite films of the year. Thomas and Mackenzie, for the win. Love that movie. Go see it. It's tremendous. And it's probably in some ways my favorite. I think I listed on Arts Quest as my favorite film of the year. Well, and that's the thing. I I mean,
1: that's always the mark of, uh, you know, how much you love film, right? It's so hard to choose. It's why, you know, sometimes award shows are a little difficult because you're like, God, they're so different in so many different ways. Uh, Last Night in Soho was definitely my honorable mention. It was, Uh, um, I I ended up going with Silent Night over Last Night in Soho because I'm right with you. Um, You know. Uh, one I want to talk about is Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, dude, good. Um, good because good, good. it was an event, and that was cool. Um, it was just people were talking about it, There was buzz about it. It's a four-hour movie. I'm never going to watch it again, more than likely, or it's going to be years from now that I sit down. But it was so satisfying just sitting down one night, and it was like everything's off. Like We are just watching this event movie and that was at home and that's that's cool like that we could get that and um i want more of that type of stuff so yeah is it a perfect film no by no means but it was certainly better than what had been put out uh prior and it delivered to me of a really good dc universe movie and it was like hey If DC had just settled in, they could really have put out, you know, some really great films. And I think we're going to get some of those coming up.
0: But you know what I also appreciate? It got people talking about editing.
1: Yeah. And the power of
0: editing and the power of a director's cut. Right. It made people have conversations about that that maybe never even would have thought about it. Because, like, I mean, how often... It's normally, like, a special feature thing. But I thought it created, like, really, like amazing conversations about the power of editing that I thought were really important and fun. Uh, my next on our free for all. Um, I-, I just didn't list it. Cause I know we're going to talk about it like ad nauseum during award season. And obviously I've got a, I've got a weird love for it. Uh, house of Gucci. Like I love ha- <laughs> house of Gucci. Like I'm not going to do any weird voices. I promise. But like, I mean it, like it's insane. It didn't make my top five. I love house of Gucci. It, it delighted me. Adam driver always, but you know,
1: How's a Gucci is the like soap opera?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like, are you Film. saying Days of Our Lives is your favorite TV show? Right. Probably not,
1: but like you're watching yeah. it every
0: day. You yeah, know? it's a fun.
1: I, I was surprised I didn't make your but I'm not shocked once you gave your list. was
0: it's tour? You only get five spots. What about you? What do you got another one on the free for all? Uh, yeah,
1: I mean, I could talk about a couple of different, like Belfast, Power of the Dog, sneaky, sneaky, sneaky movie. good movie. Yeah,
0: because you think, ooh, this Is going to be boring and educational, and yeah. then it's
1: oh gosh, yeah. A western film that was just like, I'm like, uh, we're gonna to have to, you know, kind of get through this for award season, but it that one sat with me after. And I might be sitting here at Oscar time talking about that being one of my favorite movies of the year. It's so insanely, uh, we well literally directed. just watched it last night, yeah. so I didn't even want to put it anywhere uh-huh. on the list. But other Nomad Land. Came out this year technically. No, that um, came
0: out fifteen years ago. Right. In the days of your um
1: you know, a movie that I want to say uh, my favorite uh cartoon of the year. You're gonna put it, you're gonna talk about it. Mitchells versus the machines. Mitchells versus the machines, yes. It was recommended to us by our friends the Reardons, and you and I. It was just our total sense it's of humor. It's so
0: funny. Yeah.
1: I'm like, hey, everybody that wants to show your kids Space Jam, please show them this instead. Okay,
0: relax on Space Jam. <laughs> relax. You had your time.
1: It's a it's a Really fun cartoon uh, or animated film on Netflix that, that we both would definitely recommend.
0: I think one of the la- – because I had that and I think the other one – this is like on the opposite end of this – um, Candyman. Yes. <laughs> yeah, was, candy man.
1: Yep, that was in my, my, my list of yeah, uh with you. It was one of the best shot films I've seen it, all Yeah,
0: year. it's 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 dizzying and disorienting. Uh it plays with like art form and, and kind of the the rules and also I think kind of like the class system that kind of like infuses within like the art world and how we and how we process art and how we perceive art, what is art, uh you know, quote unquote really big there. Um it's so incredible, and all, like also, it's like a, like a good horror movie, but like, it, but it's a lot. There, it, it, there's really interesting conversations I think happening throughout the film. I know we talked about it during Atasi's takes, but yeah, um, and that was at one point would have been in my top. It, this is for the top five. Yeah,
1: I mean, I'm with you. The Candyman one was I really wanted to put it in here. Uh, it's not universally loved horror film. You and I both liked it as a horror film, but no one can deny what nina da costa was doing it uh, with it as a from a director standpoint no
0: a hundred percent um
1: you know speaking of horror films were you surprised two um you know new <laughs> you know old throwbacks didn't make my list
0: okay so here's why i'm not mm-hmm. because i don't think you can say with a straight face that halloween kills is a good movie
1: <laughs> <laughs> i got asked at christmas is halloween kills good and i went no, it's a terrible movie, and I loved every second of it. And that is how I feel about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, once I had to take my fandom out of it, it's not a good movie. Um, it, it, the script is all over the place. The directing's sloppy. Um, you know, it's ridiculous. But it's a horror movie that... that you know, that's what we wanted to see. We want to see Michael Myers go around Haddonfield and we see these characters. It's not the type of movie I needed to be high art. It just was a film that I needed to feel like yeah. I saw a good, fun, fun in that horror film sense, uh, horror movie. So, yeah, Halloween Kills is one of my favorite films of the year. It's not, though, a good movie by any sense. No.
0: And you also didn't have Ghostbusters Afterlife. <laughs> Neither of us did. And, we didn't. And I came out of the movie sobbing. And Happy... I'll
1: tell you why I didn't make my list. Why? Spider-Man. Ah. Uh, That's all I'm going to say with that end of it, but Spider-Man. Uh, I gotcha. Spider-Man made me realize where Halloween Kills and Ghostbusters Afterlife fall in those in those type of films.
0: Without being spoilery, I know where you're going with that. On one of those films, I definitely disagree with you. Okay. I. I but I do see where you're going with that and why... Spider Man No Way Home made it. This over is what I want to say Afterlife. about
1: Ghostbusters Afterlife. If you haven't seen it, I won't go, I won't be spoiler, but what I'll say is this. When Ghostbusters is its own movie, I think it's amazing. Um, when it wants to be referential to the original, I think it hits these nostalgia moments that i want but i don't know if it's as uh tight a film as the other parts
0: disagree respectfully
1: <laughs> listen at the end of the day i'm with you i mean i was i had my ecto one popcorn bucket i was a little kid in that theater it's you know the score everything i love that movie and i cannot wait to rewatch it again i absolutely love the movie it's just you know there are some things i could
0: yeah, nitpick. Yeah. Or picking nits, as some other podcasts <laughs> might say. So with this, and kind of like looking at the year that was in film, you had brought up this interesting question that I thought was fun for us to tackle on the podcast. So you had asked me, if you could take any one of these films that came out this year, not necessarily in our top five, just a film that came out this year, and either give it a sequel, prequel, a remake, or a recast, which one would you do, and what form, and why? do you want to tackle this first as it was your question it is. that made my brain hurt?
1: No problem. I'm glad. And I am, I'm cheating. Uh.
0: <laughs> so you can talk about another film you wanted to talk about. Isn't no, it? it's
1: not. Um, because I actually had a hard time with my own okay. and I actually, and I will go very quickly with my explanations. Uh, cause I, I know we've talked, my sequel, I've actually ended up doing almost all of the questions. Oh, instead no? of okay. just picking right. one. My sequel is licorice pizza. Because I need another film to <laughs> explain or justify the problem with the movie so that I can still love the rich of the movie. Um, so feel I need, that? <laughs> my recast would be Dear Evan Hansen. Because uh, yeah. um, even I though I, we have problems with the director, I think I think unfortunately Ben Platt was too old for the part, and yeah. I think we should have gotten a younger cast. And listen, I was promote. I want it... Ben Platt in that, but in the end, I was wrong. It just, um, and then the other one is my prequel. I want to see an Anita, Anita and Bernardo film.
0: Oh yeah, because
1: um, from West Side Story. Yeah, if from West Side Story. Ariana De Rose and I apologize. I don't know the gentleman's name that played Bernardo, uh, but those two characters were two of my favorite in all of film this year. They are just wonderful, beautiful. Interesting, um, dynamic characters, and I just want to see. I wanted to see more of them throughout yes. the entire movie. Um,
0: Honestly, I think if you had just made the film like centered on their love story, yeah. like it would like e- e- even take it like a step further, like because it's just their love story is so. It's magic. It's and, and, hard not to fall in love yeah, with Yeah, and that. credit to the
1: actors. It's actually part of the problem with West Side Story for me. Not a problem, but why it falls a little bit is because, to me, they were more interesting than the two leads.
0: Yeah, and, they steal.
1: And they steal yeah, it. they so. do.
0: I, I, don't, I don't disagree there. I think at times they can steal it.
1: So thank you for letting me
0: cheat a little bit <laughs> <Yes>. there. <laughs> you did heartily. So mine is actually what I was accusing you of, and it was in service to be able to talk about a movie that didn't make my top five well, but next. I wanted to talk about. Um, I want a sequel to The Green Knight.
1: Oh gosh!
0: I thank yes. you, thank you. Yes. So, A twenty four is directed by I think David Lowery. Um, it's incredible. It's so so. If you read the Arthurian legends um, at some point during your educational career, or for funsies, um, the Green Knight story was always my favorite, um, and it's a. So it's an A24 telling of an Arthurian <laughs> legend, so take that with however you will. Um, it's really, it's visually interesting. It's super moody. I, I love it so much. And I'm like, I kind of want to see it come back to, like, the round table and then, like, just see someone else's quest. But then, like, you have hints of all the other quests, like, going on. I don't yeah. know. I, just, I want a little bit more because it was so good. And to me, like, of all of the ways in which people have tried to tell... I think the thing that Arthurian legends, like, film adaptations often miss is there's meant to be some level of creepiness and horror to all Arthurian legends, and I feel like the film adaptations don't lean into that. This one does, (laughs) and it's great.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I uh, Dev Patel is is brilliant in yes. it, so I'm with you. I, I'm totally down for for watching a, a sequel of that. I it was in one of my I was thinking about in my top as well. Oh, so, okay, yeah, cool. I'm, I'm totally with you.
0: Yeah, yeah. So looking forward to talk about like the films of 2022 that we're looking forward to. Um, do you have any in particular off the bat that like you're really pumped for? I know I have. I I chose five. Let me hear your five. Okay, all five. Do
1: you want to... Okay. Yeah. So we'll no, I'll before. do all five. I'll do all five. I, I'm curious. We'll probably have a couple of overlaps, and I'll say it when we do. But okay.
0: Yeah. So my top five, my number one most anticipated film of the year is Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Awesome. Um, yeah. So excited. Ryan Coogler rules.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: also, and, you know, not going to be easy. Going to no, hit the it's feels. It's Yeah. Um, absolutely. But very excited uh, for that film. Of all the Marvel films coming out this year, it's the one I'm most excited for. Um, my second is... The Batman. The Batman, yes. I think it looks bananas great. Um
1: Gimme the Riddler. <laughs>
0: yeah, oh dude, yeah. Paul Dana first off, Paul Dana was one of he almost was in the power of the dog.
1: Oh, oh yeah. He get, was hmm. gonna play the brother. Okay. Yeah. That would yeah. Uh, he seems he would be feel older for that part.
0: No, no, not the son. The Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, instead brother. of Jesse Plemons.
1: Yes. I gotcha. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I would have liked to seen that.
0: Um. So <laughs> I'm just I'm so I'm so excited to see him as the Riddler, and I like I think the direction that this is taking feels really interesting to me. Um. My third is a film called Babylon that's coming out. So this is Damien Chazelle's newest film. Oh, he's going cool. back to kind of classic Hollywood story. He is telling uh, the story of Clara Bow, and Margot Robbie is playing Clara Bow. Oh wow! Now I I am. A smidge iffy on the casting but I think it's gonna I, listen I trust her and I think it's gonna be great mm-hmm. but Damien Chazelle handling another classic Hollywood story is like I'm all here for um my fourth is Nope which is Jordan <laughs> Peele's upcoming film um little is known about it except it's directed by Jordan Peele so I'm here and right yeah, to Yeah there's see very
1: it. little known about very it. Very
0: little and I like it that way I like the <laughs> mystery surrounding it and then my last one is Everything Everywhere All at Once uh which uh, is a yes. film you know that is not connected to the Major cinematic universes that are doing multiverse stories, um, so I'm really intrigued by it. I think it looks visually interesting, and I also think it's going to be fun to do something that's a multiverse story that's not in a world that establishes like a firm multiverse of characters that you're supposed to know like I think it could be a lot more fun in some ways because you're not anticipating rather just receiving yeah
1: another A24 film a lot making our list this year we're A24 people <laughs> that's very true
0: yeah. uh what about you what films are you anticipating Lately,
1: Bond 3 didn't make your list <laughs>
0: There's a new legally blonde movie coming yeah, out. Yeah,
1: it's coming out this year. Okay, cause... forget my list. <laughs> legally uh, blonde. <laughs> interesting year. Because I mean we got Elvis and Top Gun, which got and Jurassic Park or Jurassic World, uh got all moved over. Yeah, so those would be a, interesting. Yeah. Um we got a couple of Marvel, Doctor Strange. And Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, and then they have The Flash, Avatar 2. So those are some movies that are definitely coming out this year. I did not know that Damien Giselle had a new movie coming out, so mm-hmm. that's really awesome. I like your list. We had a couple that we agreed on. Um, uh, nope, but Jordan Jordan Peele's new movie. Yeah, we know nothing, but after his last two, we're, we're bought in. Um, the Batman, I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, one that... But, Depending on when you listen to it, we'll probably have seen by then, is I scream. Um,
0: Oh my god. I think it's
1: because it's coming out in just a couple of days. Um, You know, I I can't wait. Um, You know, I I was skeptical about the West Craven not being here for it. Um, But hopefully, you know, hopefully it delivers. And and what we're hearing is, you know.
0: The original cast has been very supportive. I know they're in it, so that's complicated. But
1: Right, yeah. Um, And then a couple sequels I'm excited for. Want to see Halloween ends. Um, I
0: also want to see it end. (laughs)
1: All right. <laughs> Surprise that Halloween Kills didn't make Lawrence the top three least favorite films. I'm very excited for that. Um yes. Creed 3.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Because isn't Michael B. Jordan directing it?
1: Michael B. Jordan is directing. Yeah, I'm Jonathan intrigued. Majors is going to be the um, opponent in it. There's not a lot being said about his connection... Hold on. Yes, you're going to get Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors in the same movie together. There's nothing appropriate I can <laughs>
0: say <laughs> without sounding so thirsty I need a Gatorade.
1: Uh, so November 23rd, Thanksgiving, uh, Lauren. It's going to be very thankful. <laughs> You ain't wrong. <laughs> I mean, you're dropping things <laughs> not over not here. My new book over. I uh, over here. Feel a little uh... <laughs> Anyway, uh, but my the movie that I'm probably the most excited for um, is going to be The Northman, uh, Robert Eggman, uh, Robert Eggers' new film. So, um, extremely, extremely excited for that.
0: Now wait a second. Yes. Are you telling me your main squeezes' new film did not make your most anticipated? Who? David Fincher has a new movie coming out called The Killer. He paired with the writer of Seven coming out. Oh my gosh, Ryan, there's a new movie by David Fincher coming out this year. I need to rework (laughs) this. Start the episode over! (laughs) This changes
1: everything.
0: Um, My top five is now different.
1: (laughs) So yeah, let me put that on the list. (laughs) Did not know he had another one coming out, and then especially team him up with uh, the writer of Seven. That sounds yes.
0: Can I tell you though? Uh, So I'm
1: getting a Robert Eggers and a David Fincher film this year. Same year.
0: Yeah. Here's the thing. Do we really wanna know what has happened with the mind of the guy who wrote Seven in the like 20 years since that film has been out, also with a global pandemic? I don't know if I wanna get inside there. I'm so excited to watch all of these new movies this year, but I'm really excited to show an old favorite very soon. So if you've been paying attention to our social media channels, Brian and I are hosting a new series at the Civic Theater in their Theater 514 called Nostalgia Cinema. And for our first showing, we are going to be watching... The Goonies! This is going to be on January 29th at 4 p.m. You can currently buy tickets. Uh, We will do an intro and then a little light discussion afterwards about the film please come out and not only support the Theater 514, but enjoy the Goonies with us. Yeah, we can't wait
1: to have you guys out. We're really excited. We're counting down the days for this. Uh, Just a piece to keep keep in mind, uh, masks are required when you're coming to the show uh, per the policy of the Civic Theater. Also kind of keep update on that as things obviously always are changing, so you want to know what their newest policies are before you show up. But we can't wait to have you out. We're going to have a great time. It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yes. So if you're not currently following us on social media, please follow us on Instagram at How Could You Podcast, on Twitter at How Could You Pod. You can also go to our Facebook page, uh, which is linked through our Instagram. Uh, you can always send us an email suggestions to How Could You Podcast at gmail.com.
1: And this has been our season three finale. Uh, we want to thank all of you again for listening, uh, keeping the show going, keeping us excited, and coming back. Um, you know, we talk about it all the time. We, we just can't be more grateful for everybody that listens and takes the time out to to hear us and just kind of ramble and have some fun and and hopefully along the way we can make you guys laugh and, and have a good time as well um and until next time let me leave you with a my maybe one of my favorite quotes of the year from film from the film belfast if they can't understand you then they're not listening and until next time enjoy the odyssey <music>